Today's episode of Setting the Edge is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash setting edge. That's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Once again, that's audibletrial.com slash setting edge. I'm popping bottles tonight. Come do for a fight if you're ready. I'm popping bottles, baby. I'm popping bottles, baby. Mm. I'm popping bottles tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to the Setting the Edge Podcast. I'm Justice Mosquito. You can find me on Twitter at J1MOSQ. I'm here with my co-host Charles McDonald. You can find him on Twitter at Four Verts. And we're here with a very special guest, Patrick Claybon from the NFL Network. Say what's up to the people, Patrick. Hey, what's up, everybody? These guys are the shit. First and foremost, right off the bat. Strongly agree. Strongly agree. We are very, very good. Also, <laughs> on the website, if you haven't seen on SettingEdge.com, we've started our, uh, it's called The Update, our NFL season preview series. Uh, we're running through the AFC North now, so the Bengals will be up tomorrow and the Steelers will be on Tuesday. And I think we're going to the NFC North after that, right, Justice? Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on the, the Bears one right now, so we're doing NFC North after that. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, we're just going to go down the line. I promise you we're putting more effort in these than anyone is going to put in any season preview. Like, any, you, can, you can't find our content anywhere else. <laughs> and, and, I can, and I can vouch for that because, honestly, like, I'm going to cut a promo for, for the previews real quick because, like, it, everybody in any industry, media, anything, you're looking for a chance to, to get, like, that last-minute cram, right? And so these dudes have already done it for you. If you're listening to this podcast – and it's like, oh shit! Like I got, I got an interview with the Baltimore Ravens on Tuesday. You know, sweeping floors. Like, just read the preview, and then you can come in. You can walk in, and you'll know. <laughs> you know everything. Everything. It's it's like every, like honestly, justice. Like I read it, and I thought about it. It's like, man, I wasted my time paying attention to the Baltimore Ravens when I could have just done nothing and waited till. May 2017, and read this preview, and I know everything I need to know. It's real, so it's like the way we figured we do it, right? Because so, like, we started this podcast, and the first thing that Charles and I figured out was like, "Yo, how do we get people to listen to this podcast?" And we're like, "Yo, invite the people that we want to listen to the podcast onto the podcast." <laughs> so that's what we're gonna do. Like, you got to get in through the media, and then have it, like trickle down to the fans. So like, the way I figure, like, we're putting everything out there. Like, if you, like they're. I know this because I've been in that situation where, like, you an editor tells you and is like, yo, you have to, like, write a preview, like, ju- just any sort of thing where it's like, yo, you got to hit on every all 32 teams, right? And it's like, this ha- already has everything in it. Like, if this, like, this thing's probably going to get sourced by people in the media, I would assume. Just because all uh, the numbers are there, all the transactions are there, everything. Like, there's yeah. not a stone unturned, basically. Like, the only, like, I've sent it to people, I sent it to, I sent it to, uh, to Browns fans. Uh, Steelers fans, things like that, right? To like get feedback and be like, "Yo, am I being a dumbass in any sort of way? Am I missing something like crazy?" The only like the only feedback, the strongest feedback that I came that came back was the Browns fans talking to me about a like third string tight end from like Harvard last year. And they're like, "No, no, no, man! Like you didn't write anything about this guy who has 18 receptions in his career." And I was like, "I'm all right. I did good. I did good on this then." <laughs> Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, people will source it uh, and they won't just like blatantly steal it. Uh, and so, um, 
you you guys have got a squad of podcast guests that are going to call them out for that shit. So uh, exactly. So yeah, <laughs> we we have lawyers too. Oh, shout <laughs> <laughs> to our Twitter lawyers. Y'all, y'all pop out every single time someone gets in trouble. So, yeah. So we'll, we'll be on the lookout for you. We don't pay though. So, uh, let's. We have we have a question for you about just Levar Ball, and I, I guess you know, way off topic from yeah from the season previous of Levar Ball. Way off topic. <laughs> nice transition. But uh, all right. But what do you what do you make of like this whole escapade he had with? Colin Coward and whatever uh, Chris and Lee, because I, I feel like a lot of people were jumping on him for what he said, but I, I think lot, there was some context left out of her kind of well shitting yeah, on him the, earlier. The most the most important the most important bit of context uh, whenever you're dealing with a situation like that is where you started. Right, you said Colin Cowherd. That's 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 the baseline bit of context that I need to know. Where it's like, oh, maybe I need to do a little more research into what's going on here. Like, LeVar, honestly, he's going to say stuff to attract attention to himself, to build his brand and make money for him and his kids and his family. You know, money is important to a lot of people. It's not everything to, to, to some people, but some people are willing to go a little bit farther. Uh, and so LeVar is willing to do that. But then you, you, got, you got a guy like Colin Cowherd, who for years has had segments that uh, say things like, well, here's why men are better business people than women, or Dominican people are, are inherently stupid, and so that's why you know managers need to be white in baseball, or, or other things. I, I'm kind of paraphrasing there. And so th- th- that's where I'm starting. All right? So we know, we know Colin Cowherd is trash. And uh, uh, aside from, from we, go, we go back to the money thing, you know, everybody's got everybody's to have a chance to make a living. And so I can't fault Christine Leahy any more than I faulted uh, Michelle Beadle for working with Colin Cowherd. You know, you got to take your your chances uh, at getting a job in the industry wherever you can. But sometimes when you when you do the math and you add up things that somebody says and compare it to the situation that they put themselves in and who they work with, you start to build a little bit of a profile. And so you see what Christine Leahy has said. You see what she said about LeVar Ball. And then it's like, well, okay, Lavar has said some dumb shit, um, but I, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to forget and forgive everything that everybody else said. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a foul on everybody. I, I'm calling a three way tech, and, uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's basically it. I mean, Cowher's trash. Uh, people that are associated with them, uh, they have a choice whether they want to be trash or not. And uh, I wouldn't go on his show if I was LeVar Ball, but he's he's all about that money. And so uh, I don't think money should be everything. But, hey, that's that's the choice that he makes. So that's where I stand on it, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Justice, what about you? I don't know, man. So, like, the weirdest thing to me was, like, the stay in your lane thing. Like, I, I understand how, like, all right, you really do need to be sensitive with that thing when you're talking about women, right? Because, like, I mean, just the history of this country. I mean, that, that's Absolutely. not. Look, I'm not. I'm not overturning. You know, I'm not. I'm not shedding light onto anything that hasn't been talked about yet. But like, if you look at what she said about Levar Ball before he went on, like, he she went at his family. Yeah. Like, yeah. bro. Like, there have been things that have been escalated worse. Like, to a situation worse than a person saying karma's gonna get you. And then also people are like tripping out about that too, where they're talking about karma and they don't like, like, oh no, that was a threat. He wasn't just, man, how many times have like, all right, I can tell you this for a fact, like 
every single day of my life, basically, like a family member has come up to me and be like, see, you keep doing that shit. That shit's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Like I pro- like people talk about karma like that all the time. And people like, I don't, I don't know where these people are living where like karma is, like has never been talked about or like used in that way. And it's not a threatening way. You know what I mean? It's just like, yo, you need to watch yourself type situation. Cause you're like acting out of line. And she did act out of line. She went at his family. Uh, and like, like you said, it's a three-way tick where it's like, yo, none of these people are absolutely <laughs> in the right at all. Yeah, like, the, yeah. the, there's no saint in the situation. There's no angel here. But it's just weird how people reacted to that one. Yeah, yeah I, especially. I, no, go ahead, Chuck. I, I think what's where I think where Levar Ball needs to be, I guess, a little more self-aware is that when you're a big black man uh, being overtly rude to a white woman on TV you're you're gonna hit that backlash every single time like I, I i'm not saying that it's fair or anything but come on man like you're, you're old enough to know that you're gonna catch the backlash for that and, and the thing is lavar ball does know that and that that backlash um also gives him the attention that he's already seeking anyway and so you know he's he's probably willing to to make that trade up but just like like justice was saying with regard to the to the family attacks and you're on Cowherd's show and the, the thing that we most associate with Cowherd now, because he's mainly irrelevant other than remarks that he makes about athletes that people like is, is John Wall and the absence of a father figure yeah. and things like that. And so like, that's, that's who you're associating with, right? That's the, that's the show that you're on. And so, yeah, three-way tech. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't really have a lot of, like, I understand LeVar, and and just really the attention that, that goes to Levar. I, I, I wish I wish Lonzo would take more interviews by himself. Like I wish I knew more about Lonzo. I wish I could appreciate the product that Lonzo is, and, and that's a fault of, of of the industry that I work in. Uh, because um, at this point, Levar gets all the, the the headlines and the conversation. But um, yeah, I, I just I, I feel I feel for Lonzo a little bit uh, because. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that people are going to give him a fair shot uh, because yeah. of because of things that his dad does, and, and that sucks. Like, that really sucks. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I feel like there's just a whole lot of just. I mean, bizarre stuff happening in sports media. I mean, a few weeks. I think it was a few weeks ago. Like, like Charles Barkley had a like a, a race oh show with Richard Spencer. <laughs> like, like, how did we get to a point where? And, and like I'm here for like the buffoonery and stuff like that because I think we take sports too seriously. So like when we have a character like Levar Ball, I find him wildly, wildly mm-hmm. entertaining. But I, I feel like when when we have like those types of characters, and I would put Charles Barkley and Levar Ball in the same sphere of outlandishness. When you have yeah. those guys talking about like serious subjects, like Charles Barkley going on with Richard Spencer and talking about race, like what are we even doing here? What was that? Well, it's the sa- it's the same thing we always do. It's why it's why America's looking to. Oh man! All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> check, don't get fired. Check, don't get fired. I'm gonna check, check down my language here. Um, so so we have the the 2016 election, and then it's like, oh man, we're gonna have to. We we need a black voice to speak to what's going. And it's Dave Chappelle on Saturday Night Live, or during the Oscars So White situation, where it's like, oh man, we gotta we gotta find a black voice that's gonna bring. It's it's Chris Rock, and it's. Like, why, why is it always on black athletes and entertainers and comedians to have this high-level conversation? Like, first of all, you don't, you don't debate Nazis. 
you, you don't do that. A Nazi, <laughs> yeah. a Nazi doesn't want to debate you. He wants you dead. He wants your family dead. He wants the family that you that you're going to propagate dead, and he wants the family that led led to you being here dead. I mean, that's so you don't debate Nazis, right? First and foremost, that's stupid. It, giving Charles Barkley a show devoted to the conversation about race when he has an entire career. And I love Charles, man. Charles is a cool dude. Charles will buy anybody food. Charles has bought me food. We've drunk. We've had discussions where he said some dumb shit about sports. And, like, I'm able to, to tell him that that shit is dumb. And so, like, Charles is okay. He has no business having a show where he discusses race in America. He barely has a business having a show where he discusses eating or weight loss or anything. He 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 he's tenuous with his grasp of discussing basketball on the TV show that he does have. So why is he why does he have a show where he's talking about race? I don't know. That was just like setting him up to be mocked and laughed at. Now, I I guess the 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 check was probably pretty good that came with that but why charles barkley i, I don't get because it. because he, he makes he makes a lot of white america feel comfortable um and so and so that's 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 the situation we're in which is ironic uh because you know being a six five large black man um charles is, is probably in a situation where he hasn't made people feel comfortable and and that's probably why he has the disposition that he does have where he's willing to, to buy people drinks and food and uh and willing to in essence, uh, okay. do something like this, dance to make them happy, make them feel comfortable. Um, but it's, it's it's not helping anybody. It's not educating anybody. It's it's, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw a clip yesterday, uh, and it was like Richard Spencer talking to Charles Barkley about just like how how America is a white land and stuff like that. I was like, no. Who in their right mind would flip, would be flipping the, through the channels to say like R- Charles Barkley takes on Richard Spencer and stop to watch that? I don't I don't know. Like, what's the target audience there? Um, you know people people who like train wreck television. Uh, <laughs> you know people people watch Real Housewives and stuff to see them try to like pull hair and, and splash drinks in people's faces. And so there's there's an audience for that. To me, right? To me, the people who need to be having a conversation with Richard Spencer are American conservatives who just feel like maybe he's gone too far. It's like, oh, well, you, you had us until genocide. Now it's not okay for you to say the things that you said, right? So, like, to me, a show um, where people learn about race and discuss race would, would feature, you know, um, an explainer on who Richard Spencer is, what he believes, and then we trot out somebody, I don't know, like, pick your, your favorite rational conservative to, uh, to tell him where he's wrong. And th- then people could understand uh, where they're coming from and maybe see that there's not too much difference uh, in terms of, of, of people who have stated white supremacist beliefs and people who just are willing to say, well, you know, white people are, are, are probably uh, smarter than those Negroes. And, uh, and, so, um, and so, yeah, we're, we're going to give, we shouldn't give this particular Negro a job because statistically he's probably uh, not as smart. And, and so... I think once people understand that the difference between that guy and Richard Spencer isn't really that big, um, I think I think that would be a productive discussion. Now, Charles Barkley talking to him and saying whatever Charles does, who who learns something from that? Nobody. It didn't seem like Charles was doing a whole lot of talking either, because I just saw like this little video clip, and it's just it's just still shots of like Charles just like wide eyes wide open. Yeah. Because because it's ridiculous. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not something that you debate. 
Right? Bro, the dude said the dude said everyone did slavery, white people just did it better. Yeah, that was yeah, unbelievable. I mean, you look at the historical commitment to enslaving people and injustice and and colonialism. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to argue. Makes perfect. That, yeah, that 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 there is a, a segment of the population that 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 got really good at it <laughs> at the uh, <laughs> at the expense of other people. I don't know what the hell that has to do with how we should treat people in 2017, but like, it, hey, Richard Spencer is proud of it. And a lot of people are proud of it, and maybe they should they should quit being proud of it and uh, and think about what it means for because it, it you know it permeates through all society. That's why we get these stick to sports, right? Yeah, it's like hey, you you better stick to sports. But I can't to me I can't separate that feeling of maybe this white person is better from the way that say a Colin Kaepernick is is evaluated as a quarterback in the National Football League when I know that people who probably tend to believe the first thing aren't going to be as adept at believing that Colin Kaepernick or anybody, Steve Johnson, uh, a hypothetical quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Cam, anybody. And it, and, it, and it goes all the way through to the point where you'll even have, you'll even have Deshaun Kaiser before the draft talking about, well, I'm, I'm the mind of Tom Brady in Cam Newton's body. And it's just like, I hear that. And it's so sad to to see like the way that we talk about athletes and black people in general or really uh, minority just just the way we talk about so many people like gets to the point where somebody would would say something and then that could be turned back around on them and um emory hunt sent me uh this this clip from a radio show in cleveland where somebody was saying that they need to have cody kessler's brain on Deshaun Kaiser's body, it completely turned it back around on him. And that's how it works. It's like it, it gets perpetuated and it goes through every single player and it affects the way that we talk and discuss and the perception of every single player in the National Football League. And I just that's that's why I can't that's that's why it's never sticking to sports because it it's in every aspect of our society. It really is. Well that well that's the thing that people used to point to, right? Where they're saying sports is the only place where absolute like like production is the only thing that matters like right like what you do on the field will override everything and we're seeing with this Kaepernick thing man you can't say that one day <laughs> more time in your entire life this thing affects everything I promise you there's no, there is not one thing that is not touched by this so yeah it's the Kaepernick stuff is just crazy because you see people just doing the most ridiculous mental gymnastics to try to oh well the NFL is not interested in Colin Kaepernick blink average just got signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw. He, I saw a tweet that Ryan Fitzpatrick had a two-week span this year where he threw more interceptions than Kaepernick has thrown in the past two seasons. <laughs> so, when you look at, uh, and then you know, people come out and say, "Oh, he has contract demands," but uh, one of uh, I forget his name, but he he spent a weekend with Kaepernick. He was on the Dan Lebertard show last weekend or last week. He said Kaepernick hasn't made any contract demands. He said that. All he just wants is an invite to camp. You know, he, he's not. Well, yeah, he's not making he's gonna, any, he's gonna, any outlandish he's contract claims or anything like that. So what? Are you, like, what's the point? So what's yeah, your real motive like, here? Like, how how is he going to make a contract demand if nobody's calling it? Right, right. Like, what, is, what what are we saying? He's on Monster.com and he's clicking eight million dollars and, and hitting search and there's no there's no job. So like, that's not how it works, man. Like, he's going to need to get a call from somebody. And somebody's going to need to express interest and. And you, we, 
you know, we, we mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so there was the discussion. Uh, there was the, the Albert Breer tweet uh, last week where he's talking about pro style quarterback. And I, here I am like working in football coming on my 10th year. I'm still trying to figure out what people mean when they say pro style quarterback. Like is so did like is Colin Kaepernick not played in the NFL? Like is, is he is he like was that like did I forget that Super Bowl? It didn't happen. The lights went out in the in the Superdome and like and it just erased the game. Like all, all the all the time. Like I, I went back and and checked out on Pro Football Focus the drop back totals from that year, 2013, his best year. He he, he threw the ball off of 192 dropbacks. It was that was more than Philip Rivers that year. I mean, it's it's just like, what do we want? Like, I, I would just prefer that we have a language where somebody says something and they say what it means. And if you want a white quarterback, uh, yeah, like go for it. But don't 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 say Colin Kaepernick can't be a pro style quarterback when all all people did was just trash Chip Kelly. It's like oh, this offense isn't going to work in the NFL. <laughs> this offense is a joke. It's a high school offense. This is never going to work. And so then Colin Kaepernick goes to, to San Francisco and all of a sudden, well, if he doesn't succeed here, where is he going to succeed? You were just trashing the Chip Kelly offense. I'm like, which one is it? I, I need people to pick one. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and I think when you when you look at how he or, – okay, well, not when you look at how he played because, I mean, I, I think he played well. But when you talk about, oh, you know, he's a read option quarterback. You know, uh, Oh, you have to, you have to re- remake your whole offense if you want him to be your quarterback. Like, okay, Justice, you've you've coached football. I've coached football. I coached football for a season this past year. Like, these, if you say that, you really just have no idea what you're talking about. Like, how hard is it to put a read option play into your option into your offense? You're you're already running inside zone. All you got to do is tell, like, yo, don't block that guy. That's it. Don't block that one dude right there. It, yeah. Football is fascinating because it's it's the one sport where people have really strong opinions, but they have no idea what they're watching. Like they have no clue what the hell is going on on the field. And that's what, that's what makes it so interesting to me when people come out and say, Oh, you you need a pro style quarterback or you have to redo your entire offense. That's not true. Cause if you know anything about football, you know, it, it takes five seconds to say, like Justin said, don't block that guy on the option play. And then (laughs) Colin Kaepernick's going to run it that way. And people make it out to be like, like this, complex math problem where you have to tinker on the put these all this piece together it takes you know just a day's practice to to make that happen so it's funny to see how like you know Breer and like Pete Prisco has been doing this too where you have all these strong opinions but if you just watch the game you know it's not it's not true and and like where where it all boils down to for me is like Caps protest and really like how how when I try to get involved because uh, we, we call it politically to me is, is human rights, right? Like it's, it's how people are treated. It, the, what he's protesting is, is how inequities in, in policing can have a disproportionate impact on the black and minority communities, right? And, and so that's, that's what the conversation is all about. And so for him to turn around and have this protest and for that decision that he made to have a disproportionate impact on his ability to get a job, that's wrong. You know, it's just plain and simple. People could say, well, if he played better, you'd have a job. And I say, all right, should he have to play better in order to obtain compensation for his talents? Like, should he? Should the bar be higher for him uh, just because he chose to protest? That answer is no. And so I think it matters more than how he played. I think it matters more 
than his contract. It's the most important thing in terms of him getting a job this offseason. And that's wrong. I, I, I don't see how you can argue that. If somebody says, well, it, you know, it, it actually doesn't matter. These teams are all woke and it's 2017. No, that's, that's not true. That's not true at all. And the, the worst part is when people, when, when you try to be like, hey, why does this guy have a job and why does Kaepernick not have a job? It's not that I think Kaepernick's the best quarterback in the league. Like, I don't think he's better than Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or guys like that. No. I, I, I just think he's a start. I think he's a starting caliber quarterback. And you, especially at quarterback, you don't see guys who have played in a Super Bowl next year that go to the NFC Championship game. Then, you know, they're on the brink of a playoff berth the next season. And you always see guys like that get a chance. I mean, hell, we saw, Josh McCown is living off an eight-game stretch where he threw Yola bombs to Alshon Jeffrey and uh, I'm blanking on the other <laughs> guy that was there uh, and Brandon Marshall. Like, he he's he's still eating off that. And you're telling me that a guy who went to a Super Bowl, went to an NFC Championship game, is coming off a season where he threw 16 touchdowns, four picks, where the three of us were, could have been his top three receivers, and it would have been like the same, <laughs> the same. <laughs> The same skill level. That guy can't get a job. It doesn't make sense to me. I'm not buying it. No, it's um, and and another it's like so many aspects go into his situation, and and you mentioned second opportunities like for Josh McCown or Ryan Fitzpatrick or Brian Hoyer. It's just it's odd to me that a guy like, for example, Geno Smith, it's it's laughable, right? Like Gino gets signed by the Giants, and it's like, <laughs> oh, Gino Smith got a job, and we know for a fact he's bad. But then, like Mike Glennon, it's like, hey, Mike Glennon had that had that stretch, and you know, Greg Schiano, you know, the the Bears are are onto something here. And it's just we give some quarterbacks a little bit more benefit of the doubt than others, and I hope I hope people are able to explain specifically why they do that with some quarterbacks. And uh, and not the other guys. As long as as long as you can show me, uh, show me your work, uh, you know I'm willing to listen. But some you know, some stuff doesn't pass the sniff test, guys. Yeah. Uh, this off season has been filled with a lot of interesting discussions. What what what's it like around NFL Network during the off season? Like, is it more laid back than usual, or is it still you know go go go? Um, it's it, it depends. It depends on the news day, especially for me. Um, it's like what's going on. If if we've got like Romo retiring and then you know it's lit you know draft season uh, things get pretty exciting, um, but then there's there's like probably weeks like this coming week where you know you just we got nothing really going on. Yeah. Uh, we've got we've got these the seven month employees uh, are, are in the mid in the middle of their cycle or whatever, and so there's not you know there's not turnover. We're not training people. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just us waiting for something to happen. Um, so yeah, it, right now is probably the dead part, but then we'll, you know, we'll get to training camp. Uh, the CFL season is starts, nice. <laughs> you know, like some, <laughs> some other stuff. So it's, uh, but yeah, this, this, these like couple of weeks here are probably the only, the only really slow time, but, um, things, things get piped up pretty quick. You ever find it hard to, I guess, manufacture stories during this time of year? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yesterday, yesterday we did two updates on Donovan McNabb's thoughts of Patrick Mahomes oh, and the, the Chiefs' offense because McNabb said that um, Mahomes reminded him of a young Brett Favre, and that's it. We ran that update, 
we we included that in two different updates. That's how slow it was. Yeah, it's just like yeah, you know, what, what do you do? You can't you can't make you can't make news. You know, we don't want anybody to get arrested or anything like that. And so, um, so yeah, that's that's the that's the bar sometimes. But we got a top one hundred every Monday. You know, the countdown continues. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I would be lying if I said I tuned in for a second of that, but it's always fun to see people's <laughs> outrage on the uh, on the internet. Oh my God, this guy was ranked blah, blah, He was ranked fiftieth. Yeah, who, who gives a shit? I don't know. Like, <laughs> it just <laughs> it's it, that's as interesting to me as people who like argue their top five NBA players. Like, the list is going to be different no matter who you talk to, and, and those arguments just don't interest me at all anymore. Yeah, we had uh, we had Chris Harris on uh, up to the minute Friday. And like I was, I was talking to him before the hit, and I was just like, "Hey, man, like I know you don't care about these rankings, but uh, <laughs> like, do you mind? Because <laughs> you know, people always, and that's the thing, like players get asked about it. Like players are always getting asked because uh, the the way the rankings work is, you know, they get the players and they ask them to uh, just name your top ten NFL players, and so they they use those lists and they compile them to make the top one hundred, and that's how you end up with like." Some weird rankings sometimes. Wait, that means someone put someone put Blake Bortles in their top ten. <laughs> oh, because there are guys who definitely just don't take it seriously at all and just, just put, like put their friends in there. Oh, that's what I would do. It's it's like when uh, when Zaza Pachulia got voted in for he was trying to he was about to get voted in for the All Star game. I'm like, why the hell not? Who cares? <laughs> wow. So so they only take the top ten. They only ask for the top. 10? I, I think I, I think it's top ten. It may it may get expanded there. It may be twenty. Um, but but it's it's something like that where it's like guys aren't guys aren't going through and ranking their 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 top one hundred. They're just they're going off the names they can think of. And There's so that's no big board. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> who's uh who's like one of the funniest athletes you've uh, interviewed or had like talked to just before your your bit with them? Oh man, uh, who was it? Somebody had me dying. Um, of course, like you know, Steve Smith uh, drops. He, Dion always comes through um, as far as a former player um, because you you get Dion talking about somebody's contract. I, like I guarantee you, he'll laugh. You know, like he'll he'll make you laugh. Um, but but guys that that have uh, come on the show, um, it's tough, man. Because like I'm always trying to I'm always trying to like think of something serious to talk to about these guys uh, before they hit. Um, Just give us a Dion story, then. Give us the best Dion story. Oh, the best Dion story. All oh, right. Yeah. So we're we're talking. Uh, whose contract was it? Um, Matt Stafford. When Matt Stafford got paid, and uh, Megatron was um, was coming up on on retiring, and um, this was I think this was on the air, and like this is when I kind of first got there, and I'm like. You know, I'm trying to be all uh, all newsy. I'm like, uh, yeah, Prime. When you when you look at um, the contract that Matt Stafford got, the impact of, of Calvin Johnson, how much of that would you say uh, Calvin Johnson is responsible for in terms of of Matt Stafford's compensation? He's like, at least half of it. <laughs> 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 so I'm over here laughing on the air. You know, it's, but it's like that's. That's really it, because uh, you know, there's only so many people that are willing to talk about somebody else's money, and uh, <laughs> and Dion definitely, you know, has the cachet that he's able to do that, and people don't give him a lot of grief for it. 
but yeah, that's, that's probably the hardest I've laughed at, you know, a football joke uh, on the air. The hardest I've laughed on, on the air, uh, since we're talking about uh, funny stuff, was when um, we're like, it's the, thing, it's, it's the show after Thanksgiving, and a rap sheet posted this struggle plate on Thanksgiving that everybody was laughing at. Like, he was just getting roasted on Twitter. <laughs> and so, uh, and so we, we were talking about it at the end of the show during one last thing. And Charlie Castle chimes in. He's like, Ian, I love your wife, but I love your mother even more. <laughs> like, and, the show, what? and the show just ended. <laughs> Charlie Castle seems like a goofy guy. Like, is he, is he all the way, yeah, not all the way there, but like he says some stuff that, that always makes me laugh on like Pat, when they do the Path to the Draft stuff. Like, I don't know. He no, seems like an interesting character. Yeah, he's he's willing to have a good time. Uh, he he can be serious, but but more often than not, uh, Charlie's you know, he's 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 able to crack a joke. Uh, but yeah, he's 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 fun to be on TV with. He's fun to be on TV with. There, there's only there's there's only been a couple times on on air where I you know I've had to to uh, to like try to like correct Charlie because <laughs> we're we're talking about uh we're we're talking about um the the Redskins. Um, being able to win a Super Bowl with a black quarterback, and it's like, yeah, man, uh, it's Black History Month, and, and Charlie's like, well, you know, we didn't, we didn't see him as a black quarterback. <laughs> <I'm> just like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, man, all right, all right. okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> he does, he does half of that stuff from like his house too, though, right? Like he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't even have to leave his room, bro. I don't know if he can. Like it's, it's always the same shot. No, it's um, well. Uh, a lot of people have the home cams. Uh, Coach Billick has a home cam. Uh, Mike Silver has a home cam. Or of course, Ian Ian does his, and it, it, it makes things easy. You know, they can just they can just roll out of bed and uh, you know put the. It, I think it'd be cool if they had like a, a suit bib, where like you don't even have to actually put on a suit. You can just like put a front on. That's what I want. I want one of those because those jackets get hot. Yeah, like that John Clayton commercial where he does a hit and uh, he like he does the ESPN hit and just rips his shirt off. He's like he just has his underwear on underneath that and he's chilling, listening to rock music in his room. That's that's how it should be. Oh, uh, so going back to Charles Barkley and that stuff, like who do you think would be the best person at NFL Network to handle that interview? Like if you had to pick one person at NFL Network to talk to Richard Spencer, who would that be? Uh, I mean, because we talked about it off the top, like, I don't want anybody talking to Richard Spencer. <laughs> but, but, like, if I'm going to put somebody in a room with him, I'm going to put him in the room with Willie. And, and I'm just going to say, hey, Richard Spencer, like, here's Willie McGinnis. I dare you to say some racist shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the situation that I want to be in, you know, because that's a, that's a big-ass dude. <laughs> yeah. so, wait, so when you record, are you guys – like how far away are you when you like when they call in from a like another part of the studio? Like, are you guys just a couple of rooms away from each other? Um, like, what's the best way to describe it? So we're in the newsroom, and when somebody is, we've got those two stages. There's stage one and stage two. Um, it's it's on the other side of the campus. It's probably like, um, probably like a. 80 yards away to get to uh, stage two and about 90 to stage one. So if you, if you have like, if you have Brett Favre, you can, you can probably make the throw. Uh, 
maybe 60, 60 and 70 yards. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's not that far. It's, it's from one building to another. Um, but the, the whole, the whole campus is, um, about like, it's just, it's just a couple of office buildings and, and a studio. Um, it's not like a huge, huge complex, but we're able to, we're able to get it done. And football, when football season starts and everybody's at work, there's parking is a nightmare. And, uh, and, you know the big the big shots like you get you get Michael Irvin and, and company coming in, and the uh, and the drivers are dropping them off and they get out and they they're all swagged out and I'm like I'm I've got my sweatpants on, uh, <laughs> just got done walking from the parking lot across the street. It's like hey hey Irv, you know. It's, um, but yeah, it's it's a it's it's big enough. Um, I know that there's talk about us moving to the to the stadium site. Uh, I don't know if that's real or not, uh, but we've. Uh, and that thing's not going to be done for forever. So that it's, I like our campus. It's, it's, it's home. Let's dive into some of these questions uh, before we let you go. So Let's do it. The first one from our pal Derek Class at QB Class. How often does Harmon, Matt Harmon, uh, badger you about making vegetable-related lifestyle changes while at the NFL studio? Not, not at all. Uh, Matt, Matt will <laughs> let you. Matt will let you kill yourself. He'll he'll just be like, "Oh, you're, okay. Well, you're gonna eat that, and you're gonna die. <laughs> that's cool. I'm just gonna I'm gonna have this." But no, he he's not he's not that guy that's that's like upfront about about his decision to be healthy. You know, he just he lets everybody know what he's been through, and it's it's it's, it's honestly inspirational. Yeah. Um, because uh, like he's he's committed to it. Like he's he's not gonna you're not gonna see him like murdering a whole bunch of Mountain Dew or anything like that. Like the rest of us slobs will. And so, uh, so yeah, he's, he's, he's nice with it. He's, he's not that dude that's like, I'm vegan, like, which he's not vegan, but like, you know, that guy that <laughs> Yeah, that, won't that shut guy. up about it. I'm a CrossFit vegan. <laughs> we call those Oregonians, bro. <laughs> what? They're called Oregonians, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> like every single one of them, bro. Uh, how is it? Yeah, Oregon seems like a terrible place, man. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, next question from Andy at Falcons underscore Andy. What's your favorite vegetable for eating and what's your favorite vegetable for combat? What? All right. So eating, right. Um, I don't know if it, cause it's, it's kind of a legume, uh, but um, I'm a big lentil guy cause you, you get your fiber, you get your protein uh, all in one pack. Um, so I, I like lentils uh, cause they're efficient. Uh, as far as combat though, um, I think it, I think it's probably tough to beat like a good squash because you could like a squash with some heft to it because you you get that in somebody's face and then it's going to break down but then they, there's no option for them to breathe and so you could really probably suffocate uh, somebody pretty good uh, if you have a squash I don't know man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say I was like I was like damn this is really in depth for for off the cuff uh, vegetable combat. <laughs> question but i'm a i like carrots a lot man like when i i, I transitioned for sure yeah because when i when i played football i was like i was a fat boy i was like 255 at my peak and then uh when i stopped playing i was like well if, why don't i just sub like when i want to eat a bag of chips why don't i just eat like a bag of carrots instead like it's like this is like the same motion like it's crunchy too mm. so i just i got hooked on carrots so i eat carrots all the time but for fighting i think you gotta get like you gotta go to one of those uh well, like like farm shows they have where they have like all the like the biggest 
oh, the biggest pumpkin ever. I think you got to find whoever has, like, the biggest broccoli stalk ever. And then that can be your weapon. You kind of use it like a baseball bat or a hammer or something like that and just hit people upside the head with that. Yeah. Especially <laughs> especially if it's, if it's only vegetables, right? So if this is combat where the only weapon you can use is a vegetable, like a, a nice, thick broccoli stalk would... Because any because t- people would probably try to make some edged weapons with like a, a coconut or something where they can get a blade. But if you've got that, you can block with that. You can strike with it. I, I like it. I like where you're going, man. I think yeah. that's a good choice for a vegetable weapon. Right, I have no clue. I just I just want to remind people that like people used to think tomatoes were poisonous. Like in Middle <laughs> Ages, they thought tomatoes were poisonous. So I'm gonna go with that one, just based purely off of fear and legacy. Just several tomatoes. Justice doesn't eat vegetables anyway. Yeah, so. No, man, you said carrots, and I was like, <laughs> number number one through one. Uh, all right, Mexican we, food. we actually have tacos. a real football question uh, from Evan Sowers at Niners F. Build your perfect Niners starting D line with their current players. Who starts at what position? Justice, all right, you, go, um, you want to go first? Yeah, let Patrick go first. Well, I'm, I'm obviously um, going to include the, the first-round pick, uh, Solomon Thomas. Uh, I think that you know it's, it's probably for the best if he gets, gets out on the field and, <laughs> and starts out there um, on the edge. Um, and then, uh, see, this is why I need, I need you guys to, to already have that Niners preview. If, if you guys <laughs> I can just, I just uh, crank it out. Uh, so what um, who we got? Uh, DeForest uh, Buckner, Ark Armstead. Um, this is really a question for you guys. This is a question for you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take uh, it over then. Uh, do it. So, like, they're they're running that same scheme that, like, Atlanta, Seattle, Jacksonville, uh, now Los Angeles Chargers are running. So, I think you have to put, uh, just like when you look at the size of Solomon Thomas, people want to play defensive tackle. I'm like, dude, I, I don't know why we're There's still no doing There's no way. I don't know There's why no way doing. that he's going to do it. I don't know why we're still doing this. He, he weighs 270 pounds. Like, no one is playing, not even Aaron Donald's that small. So, uh, I think you got to put him on the edge, weak side, defensive end. And then I would go, uh, like, in your base set where you have the, the you have your like your strong side end nose tackle and three technique. I would go three tech at Buckner. I would go their nose Earl Mitchell. They just signed from Miami. And then strong side side would be Ark. And then the weird thing to me is people uh, on Twitter they talk about like oh well when you get into the nickel sets you you only have or, or you have guys that have to play inside. I'm like well you guys don't factor in that. You guys have to sub out. It's not gonna be the same four yeah. every single time. So having like I, I don't know why people look at having. Armstead, Buckner, and like Thomas, who can play inside. Like I don't see why people see that as a problem. That's that's not a, a, a problem to have. You're just gonna have to figure out how to portion up the snaps. But that's that's not an issue, and people look at it as a huge negative. Yeah. So like I I can tell you from like Green Bay perspective, uh, Mike Daniels is their most played defensive lineman. He plays sixty percent of the snaps. You know what I mean? And that's a three four two. Um, so like that, that's a weird type of situation. I, I think they're going to have trouble at three technique to be totally honest. Cause I don't really see a true th- three technique type of guy, but if, wh- whichever one, if they do find a three technique and you're either getting, you know, Armstead, it'll probably be Armstead. I'd, I'd, I'd play, I'd play a uh, Buckner before Armstead for sure. But if you can get Armstead off the bench and he can be a two way sub at three tech and strong end, 
and you can just pretty much, you know, you get him into the rotation to the point where he basically has the same amount of snaps as, you know, the starters at three tech at base end. That that seems pretty easy. I just think no, none of those guys other than Thomas is really a penetrator. In that defense, you really need penetrators. So I think they're going to struggle a little bit there at three, but I think I think – those numbers will work out themselves. I mean, look at what Seattle has. Seattle has Seattle has Frank Clark coming off the bench. He's got like eight sacks a season. He's like I think he ranks probably probably top fifteen in terms of sacks, and he's coming off the bench as a backup. Um, same things happening happening in Minnesota with uh, I'm spacing on his name, the kid from LSU, Daniel Hunter, uh, Daniel Hunter. Daniel, Daniel Hunter, yeah, it's the same thing with him where he's r- racking up double digit sacks coming off the bench. Like if you're playing on the defensive line, you're gonna play. There's a point that uh, I had with Charles in our group chat a couple of days ago, like per snap defensive linemen get paid more than any other position in the sport. And like, I really don't think that people really understand how often they, they rotate out there. There's no, there's no too deep that is more important in football than on, you know, the line of scrimmage defenders. Cause they just move out so often. Yeah. And the, the question, the question is like, when, when is his fan perception? Because like, honestly, like, you know, I like, I space out when I get a question like that. And that's why like my job is just to ask people, uh, <laughs> question, right and so like you guys have the knowledge when are we going to catch up when is is no nothing media guy and the fan when are we going to catch up to the actual game in terms of perceiving how defensive linemen rotate to where it's like oh well you know they've already got this guy like so why do they why do they need to spend the money on that guy like that's how that's how like fans and media sometimes think where it's like you just turn stamina off on Madden and you got the same four <laughs> guys coming every single time. Like, when are we going to catch up? Well, I don't know. Cause like, if you're talking about like in terms of numbers, that's like the, that's probably like 25 through 30 on the depth chart, like in, or on the roster, like in terms of like how important these players are to like w- actually winning football games. So like, I mean, it's out there, but because there's, you know, 22 starters on 32 teams, and yet these weeks just fly by. I mean, you you probably feel in season how you're like, yo, I felt like that just happened like a week ago, but everything's going crazy. It's full overdrive. Like, there's really no like. I feel like if NFL games were played like every two weeks or something like that, or like staggered weeks, people would have like room to like breathe and actually think about like what is happening in season. Yeah. But unless you're just like consistently crunching out numbers or something like that, or like you're looking at like that's why DVOA for like. Football Outsiders is really important because those guys are crunching numbers and you get a C and you're like, oh, okay, I can't watch 16 games on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, I really have no feel for the league. So you just got to kind of take bits and pieces at a time. And if you can grab that piece, you know, you're, you're one of the lucky ones. Yeah. And what, I, what else I, I thought was interesting is that uh, people were against uh, them taking Solomon Thomas because they had spent like first round picks on Buckner and Armstead back. Yeah, exactly. Years. But at the same time, like, those like the people who are there now didn't draft those guys, so like that's not their problem. If like if Armstead comes off the bench for them and isn't playing to the value of like, I guess the first round pick, I don't know. That's not that's not really a problem because they didn't pick him. Uh, now if Solomon Thomas comes out and he sucks, like that that's a bigger concern for them because they just picked him. But yeah. I, I, like having all those defensive linemen, you have guys that can play a lot of different spots, and when you look at how especially Seattle and Atlanta have have constructed their defensive lines, like you have a lot of guys who can play defensive tackle and a lot of guys who can also flex out to end. So yeah, I think you got, you got one guy at least who can play inside and flex out to end in Solomon Thomas, but they're, they're going to need to keep building depth. So I don't really see, you know, the fuss that 49ers fans are making. Uh, all right. So before we let you go, anything you're working on, you want to let the people know about? 
Uh, no, man. Just just see me in these tweets, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> drop your handle. Drop your handle. It's at Patrick Clavon. Um, that's it. P a t r i c k c l a y b o n. And um, you know, if you, if you're following me right now, you're probably gonna get a, a lot of NBA playoffs, uh, some dad Twitter stuff, um, may, maybe a little sprinkle of politics and uh, you know geopolitics. And um, some football. Whenever, whenever Justice and Chuck hit us up with some information, you know, we're we're gonna be in there. <laughs> and uh, and all of uh, woke sports Twitter is uh, you know, it's where to be. You know, follow more woke people. You, know, you don't have to you don't have to follow the same writers from the seventies. Uh, you know, talking about uh, athletes the way that they do. Yeah. All right. So I got I got we actually got two more questions for you, and you got to have one word answer since you brought up NBA. Cavs or Warriors? Cavs. LeBron, Michael Jordan. <laughs> one word. One one word. <laughs> one word. <Yeah>. No. <laughs> no. I just I I, I refuse. I, I it's I like I can appreciate I can appreciate pancakes and waffles. I can appreciate you know steak and chicken. Like I don't I don't need to choose between um, you know the athlete that was most important to my childhood and a guy who's who's transcendent and plays right now. I just. No, I don't. I don't have to, and you don't either. At home or wherever you are, if, if you feel conflicted, you don't have to choose. You don't have to choose between your parents. You don't have to choose between your kids, and you don't have to choose between LeBron James and Michael Jordan. That's it. That's how I feel about it. Well, I don't like pancakes, so Team LeBron. Let's go. He's better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Well, what time can people catch you on NFL Network? All right, we got a uh, up to the minute live uh, comes on uh, Friday. Right now, uh, it comes on. At three or four o'clock Eastern time, and uh, as far as the fall, uh, last year I did Game Day Live, uh, which is you know the show for people who didn't spring for Red Zone, and uh, they still have NFL Network. Um, I don't know if I'll be on Game Day Live in the fall, but uh, just just follow me on Twitter. I'll, I'll let everybody know what I'm doing because uh, it's all about it's all about promotion. Got to make moves, right. so uh, yeah, follow me. Figure it out. Pro making moves. Pro making moves. So. <laughs> Last reminder, we are working on our NFL season previews. We'll be doing podcasts as we run through the division. So be on the lookout for the AFC North pod coming out on Tuesday with the Steelers post. And we'll get rolling to the NFC North and wherever else we need to go. So this is going to conclude episode 25 of Setting the Edge. Thank you for rocking with us through the first 24. Uh, we'll be back next week with somebody else that we asked midweek to come on the podcast. So. <laughs> See you guys then. <laughs> <laughs>